Media. 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 Media Police. A journal of cities and culture. This episode of Mediapolis was recorded at the Film, Media, and Toronto's Built Environment panel discussion, hosted at Innis Town Hall at the University of Toronto on March 14th, 2018. Special thanks go to event organizer Stanley Corkin, host Charlie Kyle, the Society for Cinema and Media Studies, and Innis College for making this episode possible. Uh, good evening, everyone. I'm Charlie Kyle. I'm the principal of Innes College and also a professor in the Cinema Studies Institute in the Department of History here at the University of Toronto. Um, before I make any more introductory comments, I will read the Statement of Acknowledgement of Traditional Land. We wish to acknowledge this land on which the University of Toronto operates. For thousands of years, it has been the traditional land of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recent, recently, the Mississaugas of the C Credit River. Today, this meeting place is still the home to many Indigenous people from across Turtle Island, and we are grateful to have the opportunity to work on this land. Um, as some of you know who are uh, frequent guests of ours at uh, events at Innes College, I typically introduce the events because Innes College is the prime mover behind them along with our academic units here. But this is a special event because it's actually one we're doing in partnership with the Society for Cinema and Media Studies, of which I'm a member, and I just happen to be this year the chair of the host committee. So um, I will admit from the outset that I had virtually nothing to do with this event except to be point person for Stanley Corkin, who is the organizer. And it is Stanley who deserves full credit for putting together such a wonderful array of speakers and for thinking up this topic. So um, Stanley is a professor at the University of Cincinnati. I will confess that I had not met Stanley before we engaged in email contact about this event. And I will also further confess that when I printed up his bio, it came through half printed. So as I said to him, I will have to introduce him as Anley Orkin and tell you about numerous half titles that he is responsible for publishing. So rather than put myself through that humiliating spectacle and him in the bargain, I will simply say that Stanley is a well-known scholar and author of many books on the topic of uh, cinema and related media. And again, by the evidence of what work he's done on this event so far, a tremendous organizer. So I will leave it to him to extol the virtues of this panel he's put together and simply tell you that there is a reception after the, the event. And if I'm given a moment at the end of the event, I will tell you about tomorrow's event, uh, also connected to SCMS, which is taking place here at a somewhat later time, starting time. So Stan. So uh, I'm the organizer, but I'm introducing the moderator. So this is a multi-introduction event. So uh, I want to thank all the panelists for agreeing to participate. I mean, this is, uh, it's been a, a, a wonderful opportunity for me to reach out and meet new people and to uh, kind of pull the event together on the fly, as it were. And I want to thank uh, my cousin Jane Corkin, who, uh, put me in contact with uh, other panelists and Bridget Shim who also shared contact information and the graciousness of all of you for coming and particularly for the panel of the panelists for giving their time and their efforts. So, uh, and I wanna thank Charlie who was an exemplary local contact who really smoothed over all the rough edges of organization. And since I was in Cincinnati, that was absolutely necessary. So thank you to Charlie and to the uh, Innes College. And I also want to thank this, our sponsors are 
Uh, so I'm a chair of a scholarly interest group, a subgroup within cinema and media studies. It's the uh, scholarly interest group on uh, urbanism, geography, and architecture. So this is kind of a perfect event for our sponsoring organization. And uh, I want to thank our various uh, funders, including my cohort at the University of Cincinnati, the Niehoff Center for Film and Media Studies, as well as the Taft Center for the Humanities and Social Scientists and the Urban Humanities Group, of which I'm chair, so a little self-funding uh, there. Uh, I also want to thank the Transmedia Studies Scholarly Interest Group of Cinema Studies, the Transnational Cinema Scholarly Interest Group, uh, again, the University of Toronto Innes College and the Cinema Studies in Institute at uh, the University of Toronto. So it is my great pleasure to welcome all of you and to introduce Bart Testa, who very graciously also agreed to moderate this panel. So thank you very much, Bart, and I'll turn it over to you to introduce our participants. Thanks, Stanley. Uh, my job to begin with is to introduce the panelists. Um, and I'm going to do that without any further ado. Uh, but I do have a visual accompaniment. And um, when I'm done, if I feel like it, I'll tell you where it's from. Uh, Jane Corkin, and I'm going to uh, introduce people in the order in which they appear uh, on the poster. Uh, Jane Corkin has run a key art gallery here in Toronto for many years. She's originally from Boston. She studied political science at Queen's University and then switched to art history. Uh, she began collecting photographs when she was still a student. After Queen's, she worked at the David Mervish Gallery and soon organized the first photography exhibit held there. And when Mervish closed his operation, Corkin started her own gallery, specializing in photography. And she really opened an important window on a medium that was coming into its own as a recognized art. She featured pioneering art photographers over several decades. These include both classic photographers of the 20th century, like Alfred Steiglitz, Eugene Atche, Berenice Abbott, Andre Kurtej, Edward Weston, Robert Frank, and then emerging artists who are now very famous, like Nan Golden, Robert Mapplethorpe, Herbert Ritz, and Carol Marino. The Corkin Gallery has been located in the distillery district now for 10 years. Joseph Clement, Joseph? Right. Joseph Clement is an architect and a filmmaker. His most recent film, 2017's Integral Man, is a portrait of a house, Integral House, and its co-creator, mathematician Jim Shepherd, Stewart. Clement received his honors bachelor degree in landscape architecture at the University of Guelph in 2005. He subsequently completed a Master of Fine Arts at OCAD University. He has continued to work as an interdisciplinary artist and designer focusing on landscaping, installation pieces. His work has continued to evolve and has broadened into the world of experimental and documentary film work. He has a body of both short documentary, and music video production and direction. His first feature, Integral Man, which I mentioned, premiered at Hot Docs in 2017. Adam McGoyan is a Canadian stage and film director, writer, and producer. He's a graduate of the University of Toronto and a great friend to the university. 
And Agoyan is one of the Toronto writer-directors who emerged in the 1980s beside Bruce MacDonald and Patricia Razima, who forever changed the direction of Canadian cinema. And over the course of the late 1980s and 90s, Egoyan made a number of crucially, uh, cr critically crucial films like Family Viewing, The Adjuster, Speaking Parts, and Calendar before the commercial breakthroughs of Exotica and The Sweet Hereafter in 1997. And The Sweet Hereafter received two Academy Award nominations. In addition to his film work, Egoyan has also directed opera including in 1996, the Canadian Opera Company's Toronto production of Salome, and he wrote the libretto for Elsewhere Liss in 1998, which is a chamber opera on which he collaborated with the Canadian composer Rodney Sherman. Since then, Egoyan has completed no less than eight feature films, most recently Remember in 2015, and a large number of shorter works, I'll just mention the adaptation of Samuel Beckett's Crap Last Tape. Luis Jacob is a Toronto-based... Luis. Did I say Luis? I did. It's Luis. Luis tells me it's Luis. And he's from Peru, not Quebec. Oh, that's where you got the Louis from, your first friend in Canada. Uh, Mr. Jacob <laughs> Mr. Jacob is a Toronto-based multimedia artist and curator concerned with notions of collectivity and with acts of looking and meaning-making. Jacob studied semiotics and philosophy at the University of Toronto, and in the early 1990s, uh, he became immersed in local politics and club culture as well as the art world, all three coming to play in his first decade of output. Recently, in 2005, Jacob showed Habitat at the Art Gallery of Ontario, and this led to its inclusion in Documenta 12 in 2007. Since then, Jacob has shown internationally focusing on found objects as exemplified in his album series, uh, a piece of which is now in the collection of the Guggenheim Museum. A retrospective of his work, hosted by Montreal's Darling Foundry and Toronto's Museum of Contemporary Canadian Art, toured in 2010 and 2011. Uh, Jacob has also made sound recordings both as a member of the group Hidden Cameras and on his own, for example, Without Persons Remix CD. And Jacob's piece, Album 4, was shown at the Guggenheim Museum as part of the Haunted Contemporary Photography video performance. Now, Jeff Pevere is a Toronto critic, author, broadcaster, teacher, and film programmer. He graduated from Carleton University in Film Studies. He is currently the program director with the Rendezvous with Madness Film Festival in Toronto. Pavir was film critic and book columnist at the Toronto Star. He worked widely as a broadcaster for both radio and television, for example, CBC's Primetime, CBC Radio Syndication, CBC State of the Arts, and at CTV, uh, Canada AM and he hosted TV Ontario's Film International. He has taught courses at several Canadian universities and colleges. In 1986, he was the first program coordinator of the Toronto International Film Festival's Perspective Canada program, and in that capacity introduced the films of Adam Egoyan, Bruce MacDonald, and Guy Madden to the festival public. 
He is co-author of the book Mondo Canuck from 1996, an indispensable handbook of Canadian popular culture. And he is the author of Team Spirit, a field guide to roots culture. He also wrote the absolutely indispensable core essay, Pivoting the Collection Toronto on Film in 2009. In 2014, he published <coughs> Gods of the Hammer, the Teenage Head Story at Coach House Press. Bridget Shim is a Canadian architect and the founding partner of Shim Shutcliffe Architects, a Toronto-based practice established in 1994. Shim and Howard Shutcliffe have been working collaboratively since they met at the University of Waterloo. She is an invested officer in the Order of Canada, quote, for her contributions as an architect designing structures that enrich the public realm. Her many projects include the Toronto Laneway House um, which, and Integral House, which won an AIA Honor Award in 2012, Weathering Steel House, House on the Ravine Edge, Muskoka Boat House, and the Garden Pavilion and Reflecting Pool in Don Mills. Bridget Shim has won the Governor General's Medal in Architecture 13 times four times independently, and nine times as the Shim Shutcliffe architecture. She is also a professor at the University of Toronto's John H. Daniels Fac Faculty of Architecture. And those are our panelists. And uh, David Cronenberg, Videodrome, the part I can show you without being scary. <laughs> so we begin with Jane Corkin. Jane. Uh, I'd like to share with you uh, the work of Thaddeus Halonia. Uh, Halonia is an artist who worked um, in Toronto in the early 80s. Um, he worked in Toronto in the 70s. He left Toronto in 1977 to go take up a post at the Mount Allison University. When he came back to Toronto, he started to notice that things began to change. His work addresses how human interaction with the landscape um, and cultural and economic forces transform places. So this series of color photographs is a visual record of the changing face of Queen Street during an eight-year period. So if you look at this, this is Queen Street West. This is the place right around the corner from where I opened um, my second gallery, which was on Queen and John Streets, that was in 1985. It was then the Soho of Toronto. You can see that this, when I moved in there, this was 1988, I believe, this photograph. When I moved in in 1985, it was still, you could buy live chickens. It was still the chicken house. It was still the, the meat market. Um, Queen Street is really an integral part of the history and the identity of Toronto. It's only a few blocks from the financial district and it was the original center of the garment, textile, and fur industries. It's where new immigrants opened their first businesses, such as this poultry market. Now, what do I press to go to the next one? Do I press this? Oh, sorry. OK. Here? Oh, this one. OK, thanks. Um, so. 
City TV moved in after we moved into Queen Street West about three years later. I think you all know the wedding cake building and Critics Corner started certainly a few years after that. We were really little Bohemia then. Um, we were a community of artists coming together, developing ideas, having relationships. There were jazz. This was um, the jazz club, the parking lot where, does anybody remember their bamboo? That was the parking lot of the bamboo. It's interesting that Helonia's work is a kind of serial observation of place. It's kind of a slow photography. If you think about um, what he makes uh, in a year with sheet film is about the same amount of pictures that a photographer today using digital takes in a week. But this picture, I don't know if you see the Price Roman, they were designers. Um, this was the... Um, kind of people that lived in this neighborhood. There were bookstores, there were designers, there were artist studios, there were fashion studios. Polonia documented the changes of the city and in the, in the, using the physical parameters determined by the ends of the Queen Street streetcar line. The images capture a the transitory semiotics of the urban, urban environment, the paintings, the billboards, the architecture of Queen Street. Helonia at the time was very interested in uh, large format photography. These are all made with um, a seven by 17 inch camera. He collected all the old cameras he could buy at the time. He had to have sheet film made for him because film had, was no longer being made at that time. Um, and so he, after a while, he had to have people make cameras for him. When the, in the 80s, Toronto was not a huge city. It was like a village. It was a city without a skyline. There were no high rises. But surprisingly, there's an interesting graffiti and mural history among the artists. This is a pretty important history of our city. And Helonia was interested in capturing this. So with view camera photography, as all you know, there's no editing. You know, you, you actually make the image in the camera. You see it upside down. If you think about Toronto and you think about the years he photographed this from the late 80s to the mid-90s, really the city was built, Toronto was built in only 40 years. In a, in a way, Toronto was transformed in 40 years. This is interesting, Gladstone, huh? This. Thaddeus's work is a cultural project. It becomes an artifact of cultural memory, like an archive. He's a documentarian. He's interested in how a place changes and how, and how time changes a place. We understand Queen Street as an organism that changes with time. Oh, the jerk. Does everybody, everybody knows the jerk. And uh, Drake and Rahama did a video there. Does everybody know that video? By the end of the 90s, gentrification had set in, and the neighborhood was overtaken with retail chains and box stores. And it was really time to move on. So this is these. I, I think this is still there. Does anybody know this? I think this building's still there on Queen Street East. 
Look at how Roncesvalles and the whole Ronce neighborhood has changed. And when you think about the Cameron House, Cameron House was an interesting place for artists to create environments. It was a bar, casual meeting place, one of the places that really shaped the city with the sharing of avant-garde ideas. And, and the Cameron House used to invite artists to come and create the exterior painting. Can you see the little uh, ants crawling up the side of the building? This is another one. There are several generations of artist designs on the front of Cameron House. So by the time all of this wonderful artist activity had left and the box doors moved in, I moved the gallery to the distillery district. <clears throat> that was in 2000 I started to contemplate that. At the time, the distillery district was a, a group of warehouses, 65 warehouses at the bottom of Parliament Street. Dirt streets, no lights, and soon I found out it's where all the drug deals were being made. I took an old converted tank house on the left, and Shim Sutcliffe Architects created a space, which you can see the foyer that opened in 2004 on the right, with uh, Thaddeus Salonia on the right, an installation of part of his Walden Revisited project um, in a Rauschenberg at the end. The idea of the new gallery was to engage people by creating multiple spaces for artists, turning the gallery into a happening for whatever type of art artists wanted to create. Because of the work of the architects, this space became an unusual space for contemplation. This is where um, the main gallery now is. This is, what, this is what it looked like when we moved in. But we had wonderful skylights and great north light. And that's the space now. Seeing as on Queen Street West, we were always critical of the developers and the gentrification. When I look back to think about what I was going to say today, it was hard to realize that we became part of the next generation of gentrifiers. This is the complex space that is hard to get in photograph. But look at, the, look at how different it looks and how one had to contemplate, which wasn't me, how to take out some of those big pillars where the tanks were so that one could dig down six feet to get a beautiful space where artists could create installations in the center. This is uh, the Walden, part of the Walden project by Helonia. 24 tree studies for Henry David Thoreau. Helonia thinks about the environment. He thinks about how environments change. Oops. And this is a photograph of the outside of our building from, 19, from the 1980s. It's still very much the same. Thank you very much. <laughs>